It's time for another episode of For Your Reconsideration, where we cast a torch under the cinematic bed to see if there are any movies down there that have been shoved under there by mistake and deserve to be brought back out into the light. Or if they should stay down there to fester amongst the other embarrassing and forgotten leftovers of the human condition. My name's Rob and I'm with Simon and James. Boys, talk to me. How are you doing? What is under Robert's bed? That is the question. His Steven Seagal DVD collection. Lots of crusty socks. All soiled. Are you well, lads? How are you? Very well, thank you. Superb, mate. Superb. Good stuff, good stuff. What have you guys been watching this week? Well, uh... Simon and I went for a lovely mandate on Saturday. Oh, and we oh, went to see we did, we did. the classic crime opus from Michael Mann on the big screen, Heat. Ugh. And my, 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 it was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. It was very good. It yeah. was very good. Great on the big screen. Give me what you got! Give me what you got! <laughs> Pacino <laughs> is just maximum Pacino. It's like, she's got... I go right ass. Are your head is all the way up in it. <laughs> Did you, know, you fall in love? Did you fall in love? I'd buy that. <laughs> you know, again, I, I hearing a lot of the time, you know, when people listen to the pod, how much they enjoy the impressions. I said, like, <laughs> we barely do any. The first minute is solid impressions on this one. <laughs> this is the Al Pacino special where we just do impressions of Al Pacino for, for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was amazing. It's still so good. Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really good. And uh, speaking of heat, uh, Simon had quite a heated exchange with the couple who came in 45 minutes late and sat next to us. Right, I just... What is wrong with human beings? You know, I just mentioned the human condition, but uh-huh. we're just scraping the barrel all the time, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, so they came in 45 minutes late and, uh, and decided to have a chat. Obviously. <laughs> that's what you do, isn't it? You know, when you go to the cinema, we're in a dark room. Let's have a chinwag. I know we've all seen it before, but come on, play the game. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Simon sassed them, rightfully so. Was it a sassy Van Damme? It was very sassy Van Damme. <laughs> and then he got sassed himself later on when some other people started talking and the girls turned to him and said, are you going to shout at them? (laughs) (laughs) She made me feel like a right tit. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe we should just do a podcast dissecting this, you know, that's what we could do. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Si? What have you been watching this week? Uh, Well, aside from that gorgeous mandate, I have, uh, like... Most of the world, it seems, has uh, been to see Avengers Endgame. Oh, yeah. I'm going tomorrow. Oh, it's it's excellent. I don't want to say anything, like, remotely about the plot, because it all... You're going to get the most out of this film the less you know about it going in, other than the previous 21 films or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if you're a Marvel fan and you're, like, invested in the story and the journey over the last 10 years... Uh, you, you're not going to be disappointed. It's superb, superb. Nice, yeah. nice. Plus, they don't really need our help. They're doing all right, them lads over there. Aren't they? <laughs> yeah, they're not needing a plug from the For Your Reconsideration <laughs> podcast, are they, at the yeah. moment? For, for our tens of listeners. <laughs> 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 hey, we've hit we've hit triple figures now, Jays. We have yeah, to, and we, we have love to, every single have. one of you. We love every single one of you. Um, yeah, I, it's been a, a funny week. Uh, my kids are obsessed with this guy called Blippy on YouTube. Uh, um, you know, he wears a blue and orange hat. And when I end up watching these, you know, obviously, sorry, boys, just to make it very clear, no TV, no film apart from the movie of, of the week. Well prepared week. as always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this guy, Blippy, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, when I'm forced to watch some YouTube star, I like to 
go into the background of this guy. So I did on this occasion. And this guy actually, yeah, he's worth $20 million a year, this this fella, through all the subscriptions he gets. And it's basically him doing a daft voice like, I'm blippy on, on, you know, and going to toddler parks and getting all this, whatever. And my kids adore him and do impressions of him all the time, whatever. So I'm looking through his background, like, how does he get to be this guy? What, what happened to him? And I see that he's an ex-US Air Force serviceman. And he's got a background in SEO. So, yeah, he's got stuff going on. And then I find out that this isn't actually his first attempt at internet fame. Oh, no. Back in 2000 and let's have a look, three, he tried to be a gross-out comedian on on YouTube. And it was when the Harlem Shake was going around. Uh, this, I believe that's a dance, right? Is that right? I don't know. Someone help me hear the Harlem Shake because I've no tried to deconstruct pop culture is <laughs> yeah. one of the funniest things. I know, ever. I know. But right, so <laughs> he was he, his head's going to explode. <laughs> He's a man out of time. <laughs> he was not. He was not blippy back then. His first attempt at fame was um, a gross-out character called Steezy Grossman, who um, took a. Well, no, he, he did the Harlem Shake on a friend and and actually defecated on on, oh him, on video. And this has just been pulled up now. So this, you know, this blippy character, I'm less comfortable with my kids worshipping him now, <laughs> which is the, you know, the end, end result of this charming tale. Two ends of the spectrum, like... Uh... <laughs> the, the human condition. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with this species that we are? You know, I can't find fame taking a dump on my mates, but I'll try and be a kid's entertainer instead. <laughs> what is wrong with people, man? I'm... I mean, it's not like a YouTuber to be massively emotionally unstable. (laughs) (laughs) No. no. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I had to get that off my chest because it's been really bugging me. Um, (laughs) Anyway, right. Whose movie is it this week? (laughs) How do we carry on with that? (laughs) I don't know. I'm glad you saved that for the podcast, Rob, (laughs) not when we were just chatting for 10 minutes before. (laughs) I know, I know. You know what? And he spent millions on keeping this video of him taking a dump on his mate off the internet he spent millions on keeping it hidden so you can't find it now oh. i have tried i've <laughs> <I'm> tried <laughs> i want to, <laughs> i wanted i wanted you know verification that it was him I wanted a positive id that it was him oh, i believe it was him you have opened a rabbit hole <laughs> oh jeez i seriously have uh, yeah i think uh, uh, yeah let's uh, swiftly go on to this week's <laughs> <laughs> moving swiftly moving on, swiftly yeah. on. Uh, it is my film this week and we're going to take a trip to mars uh, or should I say Barsoom, um, or maybe even Utah, if you want to be facetious about it. <laughs> anyway, this week's film sees an American Civil War vet discover a barren planet seemingly inhabited by 12-foot barbarians. Finding himself a prisoner of these creatures, he escapes only to find a princess in desperate need of a saviour. So yes, this is of course uh, Pixar alumni Andrew Stanton's uh, 2012 live-action debut, John Carter. Mr. Burrows, I'm afraid I bring sad tidings. Your uncle's passing came as a shock to all of us. Where am I? My body is a cage. That keeps me from dancing with the one I love. Our world is dying. Fate has brought you here, John Carter. 
be the only one who can save us. So, Sai, tell me, how does this film qualify for for your reconsideration? Well, this was one of the first films I thought of uh, when we decided to launch this pod because I vividly remember at the time uh, when it came out, I had a vested interest in it because uh, I lived with a chap who actually worked on it. Ah. Um, who was, uh, he worked on the visual effects. Uh, so I had a bit of an interest in it and went to see it. And I was like, this is great. This is a great film. And then when it came out, it got an absolute kicking from both critics and audiences. It didn't do well at all. Um, and I was just a bit like, felt a bit surprised and a bit like a loner um, <laughs> that I was the only one who <laughs> quite liked it. Um, Rotten Tomatoes has got it at 52%. That's in our wheelhouse, all right. Yeah. Uh, Metacritic similar at 51 out of 100. Yeesh. Um and then even Letterboxd is similar, which is, you know, predominantly uh, just user reviews yeah. is 2.7 average. Whew. So it's it's not it's not great across critics or audiences in terms of um, reviews. Uh, it's not a surprising one, you know. Um, I remember at the time it getting... <laughs> I mean, I remember that uh, as yeah, well. Like, right. you know, the, the huge um, promotional stuff everywhere about it. Uh, the fanfare, and then when it came out, it got such a kick in it sank so quickly without trace. Yeah. So do you want some? Do you want some figures yeah. to back that? I up? was about to ask you, James. Lay lay some hot facts. Right. On so us. the budget for this film is two hundred and fifty million dollars. Holy Moses! It's a it's a that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. And it made two hundred and eighty four worldwide. Eesh. So the two hundred and fifty million doesn't take into account marketing things like that. That's just the production cost. Yeah. So you're looking at it's going to have to do five to six hundred million just to be profitable. Yeah, Man, that I mean that's um, that is crippling. It did not do well. <laughs> yeah, but that like the the thing is as well is that two eight four it did a lot better internationally than domestically in America, didn't it? Oh yeah, it died in it died in America. Yeah. It absolutely it? died in America. So you know at least the international markets you know brought it up. A bit, but yeah, even so, it's it's commonly regarded as a humongous bomb, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I, I I've been trying, been racking my brain since watching this, trying to work out why it failed so much. Um, you know, and I'm I'm struggling to put my finger on it really because I, I'm going to tell you, I loved it. Great, awesome. I really enjoyed Glad it. You did. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was a moment in it uh, where you know the um, again, if you've not seen the movie, go check it out. But there's a moment in it, and I, I thought to myself, like, I am absolutely loving this. You know, and it, it was just in a really sort of honest, free-spirited way, I'm really enjoying myself here. Um, yeah. What, what about you, James? What do you think? I like it. I don't think I like it as much as you two guys do, but we'll get into that over the course yeah, of yeah. the discussion. The consensus seems to be that the marketing campaign absolutely killed the movie. 
Really? Because I remember at the time there being a whole stink about whether they... Because it was going to be John Carter of Mars, and then they dropped the of Mars at the last minute. Yeah. And the campaign was confusing. You didn't know if it was a sci-fi film, if it was an adventure film, if it was fantasy. Yeah. And I think also a bit of the problem was that they gave Andrew Stanton, who I think is an amazing filmmaker, um, Nemo and Wally are fantastic movies. But yeah. They gave him like free reign over the project like he was Jim Cameron. And <laughs> yeah. I think that they, was they, possibly... They gave him a blank check, didn't they? Yeah, to do whatever the hell he wanted, and that included he took over the marketing as well. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, dear. Well, because um, with the two films coming out, I remember at the time thinking... Well, sorry, it's not two films, is it? It made me think there were two films. I thought it was like there was John Carter, and then there was another Martian... John Carter movie called John Carter of Mars, which was coming out from like Asylum Studios, you know, the knockoff studios who do all the, <laughs> the cut price versions of mega movies. Yeah. Is there a knockoff version of this? Yeah, they do have one. I think even before this was John Carter of Mars, it was going to be Princess of Mars, which I think is the one of the books which it's based yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So the so that it's based on um a bunch of pulp novels by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes. Um, who's in the movie he's actually a character yeah. in the movie he's yeah, the bookend quite yeah. literally lovely touch <laughs> um, but yeah so apparently it was it was Princess of Mars and then it was John Carter of Mars and then it was just John Carter so the asylum jumped on the Princess of Mars and they've done a knockoff called that <laughs> um, obviously haven't seen it the only the only asylum knockoff I've seen is I Am Omega which is the I Am Legend ripoff and it's actually quite good <laughs> <laughs> when when you said they'd done one, I thought it was going to be like you know Paul Parker of Pluto or something like that. <laughs> Although, oh, Paul Parker, famous England right back from the nineties. I I would pay for that. I would I would give Wood Commission know, would watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably would end up with a better Rotten Tomatoes rating as well. <laughs> Is that why he suddenly disappeared out of like Man United's team? Yeah. Because he just got transferred to <laughs> What a movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what, what else came out around the same time? Did anything massive come out at the same time that might have had an impact on how well it did or didn't do? No, well, I think nothing that think should have affected it. Yeah, to I be mean, I'm trying to think. Really, but I can't think of anything massive. 2012, I can't think of anything massive coming out that at the same time that will have. I think I'm, I, I might be wrong in this, but I think the Avengers was coming out 2012, so we were uh, sort of into the the big Marvel thing. Yeah, and then I think Dark Knight Rises was that year as well. Um, so, so you know, they'd those comic book things had completely cornered the market for you, like casual family out yeah, into the yeah. cinema yeah. Uh, for that year. But then also that year was Skyfall, oh, which seriously? was humongous, yeah. for, like, uh, especially in this country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I think as well, uh, interesting, I think like for the fantasy genre itself, uh, Game of Thrones came out the previous year. Ah. So, people's sort of fantasy heads was the more uh, tits and murder, uh, the dark side of fantasy, rather than the whimsical, uh, you know, the whimsical side of it, which this is. Um, Whereas abs so and know, murder, mate, which is what this is. 
<laughs> abs and blue-blooded murder. There's no red blood. It's just blue bloods. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Oh, we've got to get there. We've got to get there. Yeah, so, I th- you know, maybe it was that, that everyone's eyes were going to, towards more serious Yeah, because there was loads of um, sequels to this pe- um, ready to go, weren't there? This was apparently the first of a planned trilogy. Yeah, it was definitely set up to be a trilogy, was it? Because there's a hell of a lot of yeah. setting up exposition on this. Yeah, I I do think it was that. Also, as well, like just looking at it now, uh, Hunger Games was out that year. Oh, as was well, it? Was it? Yeah. So that's that's going to take a lot of the audience. And again, it's a grown up story for for younger. Adults yeah, so it did have quite a bit of competition then. Actually, it cost as, about as a third to make of this movie as well. <laughs> well, yeah. Did you guys read that this was something like? 20 million more than Avatar. Which was like, yes, ridiculous. Incredible. <laughs> I tell you what, according to the IMDb, I found an absolute... So it's IMDb. We don't know if this is absolutely true. Yes. The IMDb would have you believe that when uh, Stanton was offered the film by the studio execs, and you know they talked about the budget and everything like that, uh, he said to them at that stage, I just want you to know I'm not going to get this right first time. <laughs> <laughs> right, well... Honesty. Honesty. Let, let, let's do a job interview scenario. Rob, thanks for coming in. Uh, very welcome, yeah. So uh, $250 million to uh, direct this film? You yeah. You can do I, it? Yeah. I'm not, well, what I'll say is I'm going to have a damn good go <laughs> and I'm not going to get this right first time. <laughs> Sold. You have the job. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, I love this. I'm going to be. I'm. I'm dead easy going about it. I, I like. I'm a. I'm a yes man. Let's make this happen. <laughs> it's going to go wrong first time. But we're, we're talking about the economy of a small country here to make this film. <laughs> <laughs> Just make sure that you think there'll be. This has got trilogy potential, and then we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Seriously, you've charmed me. <laughs> What are they doing? What are uh, they doing? <laughs> Everyone loved Wally, so they just give him shucked whatever he wanted. It was a bit crazy. Like. Yeah, I've never done a live action film before, and uh, yeah, he's he's been trusted with two hundred and fifty million in the of the Disney coffers, which is pennies to them, really. Yeah, isn't it? especially bloody nowadays. I, it, it's crazy, um, but like it is crazy to imagine that they that even he didn't seem to have the outright faith in himself to nail this. It's like he's already getting his excuses in early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> he knows he can just go back to Pixar afterwards. We haven't even cast John Carter yet and you've given up. I know, yeah. Uh, do you, uh, was there, is there an alternate universe where Stanton, you know, petitioned to get Van Damme the role of John Carter in this, do you think? <laughs> can we have one podcast where John claude doesn't come up? He has nothing to do with this. I just, I think, you know, we know he could cut it. We know he could have cut the mustache. I think the film would have been critically lauded if he, you know, I'm joking because I actually think Kitsch is really good at this. I honestly, to be fair, I honestly think it would have been better. <laughs> oh no, you leave Taylor Kitsch alone. God, he had a bad year um, that year. Ooh. He's had a bad year every year since then. He uh, is, he's on dud after dud after dud. I really like Taylor Kitsch. Well, a poor bloke can't get a broke, uh, a broke, a break. Do you want to hear about um, Taylor Kitsch's uh, 2012? Please do. Shoot. Right, so, so he's just finished Friday Night Lights, Tim Riggins, Texas Forever, all that good stuff. He's like, right, I'm going to go and be a movie star now. I was in Wolverine, nobody liked that, but you know what? I'm going to be the main man now. So he had an absolutely shocking 2012. So as well as John Carter bombing, he had Battleship come out the same year. Was that the same year? Liam Neeson. Yeah. Liam Neeson was in that. We haven't mentioned Liam Neeson for a few episodes. (laughs) You want to impress me? 
You want to impress me? You know what you have to do. I don't know if that's the plot of Battleship or not. I haven't seen it. It looks terrible. I watched five minutes and it was absolutely dreadful. So, um, and that's from me. That is from me, you know. So, and the guy who directs that was Peter Berg, who did the film of Friday Night Lights as well, yeah. wasn't it? Which is in my top ten. I love that movie. That's it is amazing. Movie, that yeah. movie, it's isn't it? amazing. Yeah. Uh, what well, do we have? Any um, uh, reviews for this? You know, any any hot reviews? Any hot takes on this? Could I bring up one? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I found that there were certain critics who I actually quite respect who just took great delight in giving this an absolute belting. Really? So I'd like to read out the first paragraph of Pete Bradshaw's uh, review, and he's the Guardian's uh, critic. Oh, right, yeah. Cool. Uh, It's quite long, so bear with me. So uh, John Carter is one of those films that is so stultifying, so oppressive, and so mysteriously and interminably long that I felt as if someone had dragged me into the kitchen of my local Greg's. <laughs> Greg's is a um, chain of well-known bakeries in the UK for our overseas listeners. I'd love to be dragged into Greg's. I don't- <laughs> <laughs> and was baking my head into the centre of a colossal cube of white bread. As the film went on, the loaf around my school grew to the size of a basketball, and then a coffee table, and then an Audi. The boring and badly acted sci-fi mashup continued inexorably and the bready blandness pressed into my nostrils, eardrums, <laughs> eye sockets and mouth. I went to cry for help but in bread no one can hear you scream. Finally I clawed the doughy, gooey, tasteless mass desperately away <laughs> from my mouth and screeched Jesus, I'm watching a pointless film about an 1860s American Civil War action hero on Mars which the inhabitants apparently call Barsoom. I can't breathe. Unseen. <laughs> That's the opening wow. paragraph. I did get, get that man some medical attention immediately. <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean for the bread business. I mean for the delusional. <laughs> he's living some he sort of nightmare about? in a Greg's kitchen. Fictional. What Greg's is kitchen. he talking about? Was he like on holiday and they just give him his third basket of bread and he, <laughs> and just, he had a breakdown? <laughs> I think he's trying to make a point that the film's not very good. <laughs> right. I mean, you could do that in one sentence. Exactly. What was that? I don't like it when critics see an opportunity to go in and do a hatchet job on a yes. movie and they're like, I can make yeah, a bit of a yeah. name for myself kicking the living shit out of this thing that yeah, people yeah. worked hard on, basically. I mean, He'd well, already written yeah. that review before. He's he been not, waiting to use that he find a better for metaphor. Ages. Yeah, could he not find a better metaphor for his feelings on the film than saying he was stuck in Greg's with a head full of bread? Could he not I don't even understand it? the metaphor. I don't. I don't get it. So <laughs> is he is he implying that you know um, it was quite chewy? You know, a bit bit too big to get through. I love bread. I <laughs> Greg's is brilliant, podcast. right? So if he's dissing Greg's, me and him are going to have a serious problem. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But you're right, he sounds like he's trying to be too clever for his own good. Just tell us what you thought about the movie, not about a Greg's fantasy. And if anyone from Greg's is listening, we are still seeking sponsorship, so you know what to do. Oh, yeah, we We would be very proud after Pot Noodle looked over us. Uh, We'd be very proud. (laughs) Losers. They're lost. They're lost. (laughs) They're lost. You know, I love the idea that when we meet up now, we've got to be eating the the product of our (laughs) sponsors. So one week, just shoveling bread and sausage rolls. (laughs) Thank you, Greg's. (laughs) Or for me, Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah um, obviously you brought this to the table so you're hoping that or I don't know are you still suggesting reconsideration or oh absolutely yeah I mean like 
I think what the review, what uh, James just read out, is kind of the consensus. A lot of the negativity towards it is a lot of people just found it boring. Yeah. And then, so you've got loads of people saying it's boring and loads of people saying it's too similar to Star Wars, which sort of annoyed the nerds. I didn't think that. I didn't find that at all, if I'm honest. And then, uh, you know, there is a bit of Attack of the Clones during one particular scene, but oh yeah, yeah, it went when the you know when its source material predates Star Wars by about yeah what yeah seventy years or something <laughs> like fifty years or something. Then you know, is there a valid reason to not like something because it's you know just because they got there first in a film sense? I don't know. Like no, I feel this film's really harsh. I think that's the problem, is it comes across as derivative when actually it is the original that all these other sci-fi yeah, yeah. franchises have mined for, for their for their inspiration. Yeah. I mean, you look at Star... There's so much Star Wars and Avatar and Superman amongst this this film, and probably, I assume, the source material as well. Because those films got there before this did, and this film, this book was written in, like, 1912 or something... Yeah. It's just, it, it's like everyone, no one's looked like, well, surely this is in the source materials and this source material is X years old. It predates yeah. all of this. So it inspired all the stuff that you love. Apparently, this uh, project was offered to um, Robert Zemeckis back in the day and uh, he said he wasn't going to do it because uh, George Lucas had taken all the best bits from it. So. Wow, wow, that's But incredible. that's the, that's the, that's the, the, the thing what's a bit, well, I, I remember this at the time as well being, so frustrated by people going, oh, it's ripping off Star Wars, it's ripping off yeah. Star Wars. And it's like, Star Wars ripped off that. Like, yeah. <laughs> like give it a break. Yeah, like, I mean, if that's the thing you're going to mm-hmm. level at it for being rubbish, you know, I, I can totally understand the sort of negative views from uh, a film standpoint in terms of its sequences and its acting and, you know, things yeah, like that. Yeah, just things about that that you didn't like, yeah. Yeah, but when you're saying it's like, oh, you know, the, the it's, it's too similar to Star Wars. Well, they basically just said it's too Tatooine. That's basically That's what so they're saying. Stupid. Yeah, it's too yeah. much. It's like such a lazy comparison a, as well because I didn't feel that at all. It's such a daft thing to jump on. Yeah. Um, before we push on from the reviews, I I saw a really a nice one from a, a chap called Noel Meller on Letterboxd to give it four and a half stars. Oh, I mean, a, maybe a wee bit generous, but positive nonetheless. <laughs> um, with the heart of classic 80s adventure and a modern aesthetic, John Carter did what so many have failed to do. It made me feel like a kid. Ah. Um, and I think that's what people forget about this. It's a Disney movie. Yeah. It's a family all-round movie for what everyone can sit with their kids and enjoy. Uh, and I think that got forgotten about because everyone was too furious about the Star Wars. <laughs> and the budget. Everyone seems to be up in arms about the budget, like no one's ever spent money on a, f- know, on a big movie, a tentpole movie any- before. It's like, yeah, I remember Mark Commode getting his knickers in a twist as well about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I just don't like it when critics go in and they go, right, this, this film is here for a kicking and we're going to stick it to the mouse house and we're going to... Give it some. I know, yeah. yeah. It does your head like, in that. It, it's like they're ganging up on it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And it is because it's Disney. And, you know, this is in a line of a string of, like, Disney flops. Disney live-action flops. So, what, Prince of Persia was a couple of years oh, before. Yeah, it's yeah. that absolutely tiny. Yeah. And then Tron Legacy was a couple of years after, which did exactly the same, which, 
is a shoe in for this podcast in the near future, definitely. Because yeah. again, that's fucking great. Isn't the Lone Ranger a Disney one as well? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Lone Ranger's yeah. another one. That's a more recent one, which which bombed again. Um, so yeah. Live action Disney, you know, outside of their live action remakes, which they seem to be shifting to now. Mm. Yeah, critics seem to take joy in giving it a kick in the stomach. Yeah, <laughs> they were waiting for it to come out. They're like, they've written the reviews already. They're like, come on, hatchet yes. job, hatchet job. I've got the perfect Greg's analogy. <laughs> Let me have it. Let me have it. <laughs> I've been trying to use this since Avatar, but that turned out all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think sometimes like the big problem i sometimes get and that i i understand with criticisms of this is that you know what is it two hours ten minutes this one is it yeah. it might even be longer yeah. than that it's quite i mean it, are you allowed a big budget film less than two hours now i don't know whether because i i i find my attention span at the two hour point is getting maxed right out yeah unless it's completely engaging you oh yeah, like... exactly, and that's the challenge for the filmmakers. You you make yeah. if you want to do it that long, go for it. Just make sure you're gonna you've got me for that whole yeah. time. I mean, like we were discussing at the start, Heat. We were watching that, and that's three hours long, and that didn't feel like three hours. Exactly, when we were watching yeah. it. Like, that's so that's the thing, isn't it? It can be done. Yeah, <laughs> it's set in a space and time. It's a period piece, isn't it? I had no idea it was. So when I first started watching it, I'd not read any synopsis or anything like that i have to be honest i didn't know much about the source material and then straight away i'm like it's a period movie and it looked like i was watching a um like an off-kilter episode of penny dreadful at the beginning <laughs> you know it had that atmosphere and the long you know the longer uh, the long hair and kitsch was incredible in the you know the old clothes and then uh, i'm like is that the kid from spy kids you know uh, <laughs> the boy from spy kids was in it um Oh, I love, uh, I loved all that, and it, it was that. Is that who that is? Edgar Rice Burroughs is the Spy Kids. Is it? He's the boy from Spy Kids. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Of course he is. Yeah, it all seriously. Makes sense. That's why he's so familiar. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I loved the start. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I think the opening is probably my favourite part of the whole film. To be honest, like I like the Earthbound stuff and the um, him. I, I love that gag where he's trying to uh, escape. escape again and again. <laughs> the visuals are really great. Yeah, like the visuals. Are, it's a very well shot film. Yeah, I think it looks beautiful. There was great editing in that set as, um, section as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I love. I like that opening bit is great for setting the tone of it all because there's like a prologue on Mars with. Mark Strong doing his uh, lovely. Oh yeah, we didn't bad even guy. talk about McNulty. Uh, <laughs> so I, I can't remember if Dominic West's character name. He's called something like that or this or something, right? And, yeah. So I'm just going to call him Jimmy McNulty through the throughout. This. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and this is where, like, I think maybe you've hit the nail on the head. I think why why some people might have lost the film. Or the film lost. The some language people. is impenetrable at some yeah, point. Yeah, and the mythology Honest, is very thick, point. isn't it? You know, mm, and mm. I'm already, you know, in the opening like lines, I'm like, Basum is dying. Well, where the hell's that? Healy's the, you know, resisting. What the heck's Healy? I don't even know whether I'm saying yeah. it right. You know, yeah. and suddenly I'm There's wading a lot through of this stuff. On knowledge of the there is, yeah, yeah. There? But the, like within minutes, the action and scope of this is clearly massive in it. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. And 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 the effects, I'm going to say straight away, the effects are incredible. Yeah, I, I think they're as good. they bloody should be for that amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> but I, d- I think they hold up pretty well as well. I like, they've they really got, do, they're good, yeah. yeah. Because the whole thing's got like a, a film grain over it as well. Yeah. So even the CGI characters, everything's got that grain over it. So it kind of blends quite nice, and they use like techniques to sort of hide 
obvious CG bits, like there's sometimes it's it's really dark in some places or it's quite foggy or things like that, just to sort of hide the rough edges. But it still looks good. Like for yeah, I, I think what, it looks seven brilliant. years ago, I, and it doesn't it doesn't feel subpar in any way whatsoever for me. No, and that's probably why they went to Andrew Stanton because they're thinking right, there are a lot of visual effects in this, and if anyone can handle CGI, then it's going to be one of the top guys at Pixar. Pixar, yeah. and then if he mixes in what he's done in his other films in terms of the pathos and the uh, and the characterization then we're, we're going to be on to a winner here. You say that, but he did tell them that he's not going to get it right. <laughs> he did warn them. <laughs> yes, they had more faith in him than he had in himself. <laughs> uh, um, all the stuff in the beginning, I'm really enjoying the period stuff's great. I'm liking Kitch as a character. I'm going to have to call him Kitch. Oh, no, he's John Carter. I can actually say that name. Yeah, so that's all right. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Uh, I'm enjoying all that. I loved it when Walter White arrived. It's the title character. <laughs> That scene uh, with Cranston, I totally forgot Brian Cranston was yeah. in this. But then, yeah, that bit uh, you mentioned before, James, where he's trying to escape from being yeah. a prisoner. And it's like this like slapstick, really well edited. The music's it's, great. It's so good. And there's your tone setter. In that scene, there's your tone. It's like, yeah. this is not taking itself too seriously. It's quite funny. Yeah. Uh, it's got a bit of slapstick for the kids. So... This is where we're at. And my that's my, where we're gonna go my granddad that. was a sucker for, um, ad, you know, like really fun adventure family themed movies, um, and we used to spend weekends watching them all the time. And this, I kept thinking throughout this, he would have loved this. He'd have absolutely loved this. Yeah, and it's a proper old school swashbuckling Errol Flynn type. Yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, adventure into it. Yeah, yeah, really liked it. Um, and then you know, um, I'm struck with he's, you know, Carter's escaping, and the soundtrack. Then for me, I, I begin to really notice it that it's hitting all the big sweeping notes that you'd expect from a production like this. Um, and it's Michael Giacchino. Yeah, well, again, it's our it? favourite John Williams impersonator. Yeah, yeah Michael Giacchino. <laughs> that little known guy again, cropping up in a big Disney movie. I assume he just swam through his mountains of money and just hit some strings, and then uh, I'll do. Yeah, off you go, lads. <laughs> the score is fabulous in this from start it's to good, finish. Yeah. It's so good. It, it goes changed. through so many different like you know genres of music as well. It's it's very good. <laughs> It is very John Williams. It is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it is. I think the whole film is very, like, it feels very Spielbergian. Yeah, I give him that. You can tell that Andrew Stanton, I mean, I'm making massive assumptions here that Andrew Stanton was a big Spielberg fan (laughs) when he was younger, but we all were. were, Yeah, exactly. Everybody is. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) it it feels that, you know, it's got like the, the mischievous nature of like an indiana jones flick and it has doesn't it it's uh, definitely got that yeah you know cute's a good word for it yeah Yeah. it feels quite spielberg for me yeah see this is where i probably disagree with you guys slightly is that i love all that opening and the slapstick uh escape attempts and stuff like that and that feels like that indiana jones sort of vibe that they're going for but then i find taylor kitch and the character of john carter just so bland and like He's not got he's not got the charisma or a little cheeky wink or anything like that going on. I just find him too heavy and dull. And if more of the film was up at that level, that hijinks in the opening, I, I think this would have been an absolute classic, to be honest. Like instead of him having the hashtag haunted past, yeah. he was just like a gold miner who like found a purpose when he was on Mars. I think that yeah. would have been 
if you had more of that cheeky charm, whereas he's like, oh, God, my wife, my son were murdered while I was <laughs> off away from my farm. The kind of thing that would make you make you upset. But. <laughs> oh, God, pull the other one. I'm here to have a good time, well, John. Can we, I'm going to have to call back to this backstory when we get to the end because he forgets them pretty quickly, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> he does forget about them quite quick. The, the flirting between him and uh, what's she called? Deja yeah, that's Deja. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flirting is outrageous between them two, right from the off. He's just having a big abs <laughs> off, like like who who could do the most stomach crunches. Well, he's basically just walking around in a in a loincloth, isn't he? And then, um, yeah, looking fit. Oh, <laughs> okay, he might be a bit sort of bland, which I do. You know, I do kind of agree with. Yeah. I, I loved him in Friday Night Lights. Tim Riggins, absolute hero. But yeah, you, you're right. I don't think he can really pull off the leading man thing. They took a punt on him, yeah. which I think he deserved at the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't quite work out. I assume he's all they could afford after the budget. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, so who are we getting for this? Tom Cruise? <laughs> well, maybe maybe Brad Pitt? Lower. <laughs> oh, maybe Leonardo DiCaprio? Lower. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where... Oh God! Who who else could we get? <laughs> so essentially, you've got a director who doesn't believe himself being told that he's, he they can only have a you know like a sort of a sea level star, you know? <laughs> or is that too harsh? I think sea level's quite a bit harsh. I think he's B, isn't he? You know, he's a big yeah. TV star at that stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not necessarily disagreeing here. I, I I enjoyed him, but I know what you mean. Yeah, he's not exactly bad, I don't think, but whether he can hold a humongous budget, yeah, massive summer Disney movie, which, you know, everyone was expected to go and see. Yeah. He probably does fall a bit short. But I read that, um, you know, a lot of the money, uh, especially Disney movies, a lot of their money comes from merchandising. Right. Uh, and for this, there wasn't any. But it's like, you wouldn't exactly want your kids dressing as John Carter at like a little birthday party because he's effectively just in a tiny loincloth, isn't he? Uh, yes, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, there's such a good point because when I go, you know, when you go to the shops now, you don't see the kids like running around going like trying to get John Carter teddies or, you know, or the, what are the, the creatures that look... Tark? Thark? Tharks. Tharks, thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Willem Dafoe's. Willem Dafoe's, yeah. 12-foot Willem Dafoe's. Incidentally, they the photorealistic effects on those are incredible. Those I things. think they're good. Like they look good, but then look a wee bit naff at the same time. But then I think it's because they're just trying to not make them terrifying for kids. <laughs> so they give <laughs> them a bit of like a cutesy look to them. So they've got yeah, like nice big eyes. Up, and, you like, know, like if they showed up at the end of your garden in the middle of the night with a big light behind them, you are going to pack yourself. No, yeah, you would shut yourself. Yeah, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're like 12 foot tall with four arms, yeah. <laughs> but well, keeps that, that, the yeah. eyes. So, you know, you'll be like, ah, you're all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once you're close enough that the shadow of the UFO isn't all in your eyes. <laughs> uh, I love, you know, when you're talking about the, um, the slapsticky stuff, you know, when he's learning to walk and move on Mars yeah. and jumping and all that. I found that loads of fun. Yeah, that's a great sequence, but that's probably another thing where certain people would be like, oh, well, they've just ripped that off from Superman when he's trying to learn how to... Oh, it's just... We and never... it's like, well, yeah, yeah, but that's it's in the source material, so it has to be in the movie. Yeah, like... you can't just go around, and I'm not talking to you guys, I'm talking to the general critic consensus. You can't go around saying everything's just a knockoff of this or a knockoff of that, because... Mm. 
You know, every love story ever told is, you know, this famous adage that it's only ever one of Shakespeare's 13 odd stories that, you know, obviously, you know, 13 main templates that are used. And like, so you can't, you can't just go around saying, right, well, that's a knockoff of that, therefore it's no good. Yeah. Art is there to influence us. Yes. And, you know, and to guide us. And you can't try and do something yourself. We're all inspired by things. So what are you going to say? You're not allowed to be inspired by anything anymore. You know, nothing will ever get made. Nothing will ever come out. But then it's a complete circle when that in itself has inspired all the things it's apparently knocking off. Exactly. Which is my biggest gripe with the critical reception, really, is I don't I don't think you can... It's really unfair to call plagiarism when that's inspired so many things what came after it in literature and, yeah. and film. So it should be given a free pass to then be a film itself and do its own things. And of course it should. Critique it in different ways, that's fine. Yeah, that that one's a bit cheap for me, I think. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and to be honest with you, it came out, I think, the year before uh, Man of Steel, which has exactly the same sequence in it when uh, Superman, when Clark Kent's trying to uh, learn how to fly for the first time. Yeah. So, you know, it's that scene is part of the Superman mythology now, isn't it? And it was yeah. actually lifted from this, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Well, yeah, it seems to be, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about um, the dog that he makes friends with? Oh, lovely! So, uh, so just to <laughs> let the listener know where where we're up, where we're up to. So, basically, John Carter's been back on Earth. Uh, he decided he doesn't want to fight for the Confederacy anymore. I guess he's not racist anymore. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and he just wants to mine for gold, right? So, him and Brian Cranston get into a into a rook with some uh, Native Americans. And uh, they find a cave, and in that cave, he comes across one of these Obi Wan Kenobi looking motherfuckers and gets transported <laughs> to Mars, basically, where he realizes that he can jump a lot. Sorry, Rob, carry on. No, you're right. And he, he ices one of them in the cave, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah that sounds a bit harsh. <laughs> well, they're, they're uh, the Mark yeah. Strongs, aren't they? That's what Mark Strong is, one of those. What are they? Dude. This is the problem yeah. we've got: is that there's all these warring factions, and and two, you know, two of the human elements. Uh, one's in red and one's in blue, and I'm getting so confused all the time. I know I, it took me forever to understand that why they. Yeah, were I still don't know. Those still don't two know. sets of human Martians, we'll call yeah, them. Yeah, then you've got Martians. your Mark Strongs. No offense to any Martians listening. Yeah, the ones with all the fake tan on. <laughs> Jimmy McNulty versus Princess Dej. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and then Mark Strong doing his Obi Wan Kenobi thing. Uh, and then you've got the Tharks caught in the middle. Uh, and it was that bit, because he ends up fighting with all the Tharks, doesn't he, uh, John Carter? And they put him in prison, and he makes friends with a dog. And when he's escaping the prison, I'm thinking, that's that bit I was telling you about. Like, I'm really enjoying this. This is good fun. And it, before it got quite, you know, a bit complicated with the mythologies, I was really enjoying it at that point. Yeah, I would have liked the design of the dog to have been a wee bit better. It's a bit <laughs> of an odd little thing isn't it's it like, it's like, like he's a, super quick but he's really fast yeah. he does like what is this it's a rapid turd with four legs and a big mouth <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, again uh, oh and there's all those little squiggly snot babies uh maggot baby things that he's in prison with that all sleep on him remember them like i'm thinking uh, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what? I don't know what they are. Are they the baby tharks? They're the baby tharks. Yeah, they so. are. Yeah, and the ones that don't hatch, don't they just execute them? So they're not yeah, strong enough. I, to I be found tharks. this quite um, uh, offended my sensibilities as a father. A bit. <laughs> like I wanted to round them all up and like, come <laughs> with me, upsetting, come with me. Yeah, it, I found it really awful. That really horrible. Like I thought, like 
I can't wait to show yeah. this to my son. <laughs> Daddy, what are they doing to those to those babies? Oh, they're murdering them. <laughs> what? Because they are not worthy, son. Yes, yeah. This is what we do to our weak. We murder them. <laughs> An allegory yeah. for our current government, perhaps. <laughs> Why do you think you don't have a brother? <laughs> Two pages of the script of 300 got stuck in. With the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is, it, is it about this point that they keep referring to Bants in the arena? You know, they keep talking about, oh, you'll have to go to the arena. And they keep saying, yeah, you'll have to, you know, there'll be bants in the arena. And I'm, I can't take it seriously at all. I, I assume <laughs> the bants are the creatures. <laughs> you, oh, don't worry, lads, we'll go to the arena for some serious bants. <laughs> Richard Key's going to come out and start presenting the event. <laughs> if Richard Key's it could was do just the. Banter. <laughs> if he could do the live match day commentary of. You know, John Carter versus the Bants. Oh, I'd be, I'd be well oh. onto that. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he starts flirting with one of the human people. Um, and I get the impression that, uh, what's her name? Collins is her surname, isn't it? I can't remember her first name. Lynn Collins. Lynn, Lynn Collins. Collins. Thank you, mate. It Thank was you. a bit of a career killer for this blesser, wasn't it? Yeah. I, well, she'd had Wolverine before this as well, along with Taylor Kitsch. Yeah. Do you think I, they've got the same age? Well, yeah. It, Not anymore, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Someone got fired after these. I, fe- I, felt, I feel for them now because clearly they could have and you know ended up being massive movie stars after this if this had stuck its landing yeah. if stanton had some belief in himself <laughs> but, <laughs> but like it it didn't and they've they've both faded into i mean i've never i've not heard of lily collins in anything else for ages kitch as well for that matter i couldn't rec- i didn't recognize her to be honest i didn't recognize her which yeah. is a shame kitch has worked pretty um consistently since but not as a leading man in anything and he was in the second season of True Detective, which is bloody awful. Yeah, which that got, but that get like he's in just dud, dud after dud. I think it's just yeah, it's uh, it's like when Ryan Reynolds went through a period where he was in everything he was in, just absolutely tanked. Yeah, and I feel Taylor Kitsch has got a similar sort of jinx on oh. at the minute which i don't think he's talented or charming enough to pull himself yeah not as much as ryan reynolds like he was in um I, I did actually like lone survivor as much as you know american propaganda army films go that's actually pretty good that i one. like that movie <laughs> yeah uh, just to go off on a tangent don't you think that they should have swapped the roles around and mark Wahlberg should have been playing the taylor kitsch role and taylor kitsch should absolutely. have been the lone survivor absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I i honestly think taylor kitsch was the best thing in that he, he was very very good he was that. But I was like, you two are playing the wrong parts. Like, (laughs) switch. (laughs) There is a lone survivor in that movie. Spoilers. (laughs) Haven't seen or heard of it. It's actually quite good. It is good. I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed it. By the sound of it, it sounds really good. Uh, No, I have heard of it. It's got Mark Wahlberg on the poster, hasn't it? Well, there we go. (laughs) There we go. The marketing clearly worked for that movie. (laughs) Hey, I'm on the poster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a survivor and I'm all on my own. <laughs> I'm hanging out with Taylor Kitsch in the jungle. Do the rest of it in Mark Wahlberg's voice, please. Trying not to laugh, right? Uh, my brother was in New Kids on the Block. <laughs> 
Right, at this point oh, in the movie, God. I'm losing, the mythology's losing me a bit. When they're all beginning to fight and I don't really know why. The middle portion is just so stodgy for yeah. me. Like... Why does he kill all those Tharks? There's one minute where he rallies the Tharks, but this is after he's murdered hundreds of them. And I never knew why. Well, they're the why bad ones. They're the... They're the um... Yeah, there's barbarian ones. Yeah, there's rebel ones. Yeah. Oh, are there? Yeah. Is this after they've been to the little, um, like, Stargate place where they figure out yeah. where he convinces her that he's actually from Earth? That's right, yeah. she doesn't yeah. believe him, does she, Princess Dasha? Some barbarian fellas come out and he's like, I wasn't there once, I'm going to be there this time. And like, he's fully bought into this whole Mars mumbo-jumbo, even though he's been there for about seven hours. <laughs> Right, he's 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 pretty. Honestly, he's very fickle. Yeah. Is is John Carter? And he just absolutely <laughs> he'll drop everything for a bit of Mars. Decimates all these barbarian fellas, right? Ripping them to pieces as we intercut with his hashtag haunted past from Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it very well done. I thought totally it was completely off with the rest of the film, but it's a great sequence. That it's is a, a great sequence, to be fair. It was it really- kind of peaked too soon with the sequel, because that's the best bit in it, I think. It just made me think, like, mate, stop swanning about with the princess. <laughs> you've got, you got issues at home, man. You've got things you've got to deal with, and you're swanning around here on Mars. Well, you know, after what he's just left on, on, on Earth, like, no wonder he's like, you mean I can just jolly off over here? And just be yeah. on Mars and marry a prince. Right, I'm in. <laughs> and jump really high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to be slam dunking all over <laughs> Scotty Pippen. MVP in the Martian Basketball League. I, I, so I thought Dominic West was loads of fun here. He is. He, was he always is. Big style. He loves yeah, it. He, yeah. he, he's ace, isn't he? He loves being the topless British bad dude, doesn't he? He loves it, yeah. Yeah, just being a bastard and just walking around with his chest yeah. out. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's mega, isn't he, that bloke? I absolutely love him. Um, Strong's having a good time as well. Being Mark Strong. Doing his best Mark Strong impression. <laughs> In a lovely long robe, lovely bathrobe, swanning about, able to go wherever he wants. Enjoyable scenes. I like Lynn Collins. I think she's really good in the movie. Yeah, she's good as well, yeah. She's good as well. And she's not a damsel in distress. She can kick ass and she's really smart. She's like the smartest character. And when, as we get into the third act, and it seems that like she has to marry Jimmy McNulty to stop genocide in her... Um... Jimmy McNulty. <laughs> <laughs> in her city she's doing it for the greater good not because she's like oh I need to be rescued by John Carter at the end of the day it's quite yeah, a noble no, turn she's, actually yeah. she's actually one of the more interesting characters in it to be honest you know and her motivations are probably the clearest of all yeah underrated character James Purefoy oh I loved him the sort of turn heel sort of rogue agent wasn't he because he was on Dominic Westside but he wasn't on Dominic Westside he was actually with the princess and John Carter. Was he? Yeah. Or are we just confused by who's on who's? Well, it probably <laughs> not. Because I'm confused now. But like, he's so strange. I, but I loved his, you know, his sort of early '90s hairdo <laughs> that looked like a serious hairpiece. It was so nice, lovely feathered. You know, a bit of a pest on the side of a dance floor in an Amsterdam <laughs> nightclub in 1993. That is a specific <laughs> memory. <laughs> Autobiographical, I believe. <laughs> I was ten then, so it definitely wasn't me. Absolutely pest. <laughs> Pure voice, isn't it? He is really good, isn't he? The score from the previous bit, you know, the when we're in New York in the eighteen hundreds, 
that music carries over to when James Purefoy's on screen. So that sort of he's the sort of whimsical guy in Mars. Yeah, yeah. I think Purefoy got a bit screwed over because he took the movie on the uh, proviso that there was going to be two more of them, where his <laughs> part would be beefed up and he'd be like the co-lead with John Carter, like his best <laughs> mate and stuff. And then obviously it never happened. Uh. Like they were going to have like this buddy bromance thing going on. Ah, <laughs> Kitchen Purefoy. What a combination. Uh, what, you know, it sounds like a failed solicitors or dog groomers in somewhere like Rottenstall <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> um, Purefoy, his name, I love that surname, Purefoy, just while we're talking about constant rubbish. But <laughs> Purefoy, it's like, you know, like some words are onomatopoeic that they sound like what they what they are, what they're describing. I know what onomatopoeia is, Rob, thanks. <laughs> No, it wasn't really for you, James. It was really in case any listeners didn't know. And for, and for me. And for me. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, like, Purefoy is onomatopoeia in surname form. You know, like, a really crisp, lovely, you know, suave, well, smoothly turned out gentleman. <laughs> Whereabouts are we in the film now? So The wedding's happening. Yeah. And she's got to marry him, and he's like, well, join me, Tharks. Because I've murdered hundreds of you, and it would hey, be the obvious choice. Hey, he gives a good pep talk, man. Give him some credit. He gives a good pep. He d- talk. Oh, he does. He does. He does. <laughs> oh no, he's got to. He's got to go to the. He's got to go for Bants in yeah, the so arena he, first. So while that wedding's getting organised, he's been captured by the bad Thark, who is um ah is that what's, what's happening? What's he called? Here? The guy with the big jaw who's in Spider Man. Cox. What's he called? Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas Hayden Church. Thomas yeah, Hayden he Church. Wine. Yeah. He's been captured by the bad Tharks, led by now Thomas Hayden Church, because. Uh, Willem Dafoe has been put in the slammer for betraying them. Yeah, there's a whole subplot with like Willem Dafoe's, is it his wife or his daughter or what? His daughter, yeah. Yes, yeah, daughter. So then they're now in the Gladiator Arena, which we hear so much about with their top bands. <laughs> to be honest, I found this scene a bit underwhelming. I yeah, thought, it was anticlimactic the way they built it, it up. It was, it was in all the trailers and it was the sort of one big scene they sort of built it all upon. And it goes back to that Star Wars comparison, uh, which is why people were bothered with it. it. Was Attack of the Clones had a very similar? No, was it Attack of the Clones or the third one? It was, yeah. Had it a was. very similar scene in it, and and I guess people have just been like, "I've seen this." Yeah, you know, despite what we were saying before about giving it a break, that this scene felt a bit underwhelming, especially coming after that scene where he's slaughtering all the Tharks and it's cutting with the death of his wife and his kid. Yeah, it's a bit underwhelming. So. That pushed on, and it was like, yeah, okay, let's move, let's move on a bit from that. Blah, blah, blah. Um, so yeah, what did you guys think of that? I like that bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am in agreement with you, Simon. I thought, I thought, like it had been sort of, lit. we'd heard a lot about the top bants and the <laughs> arena and stuff like that, and I was expecting like a, a real big smackdown in there, and he just like, oh, he just stabbed one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were no match for him, really. Like yeah. he dispatched yeah, yeah. them very easily. Yeah. But I think by that point, we need to like zip along to get the Tharks on his side to then stop this wedding and sort this war out. Yeah. Because it is quite political, really. The whole thing is quite political. And it is, yeah, yeah. Well, it's allegorical, it is. isn't it, for yeah. the civil war that's happening on Earth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it mirrors that quite well. And yeah. So we have to get through, because we didn't have gladiator arena fights with big bants in the civil war. <laughs> <laughs> Richard Keyes was not invited. Oh, God, he'd have had a field day, wouldn't he? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, he takes the Tharks then to fight the other two race, the Helians and the other ones. On oh, the names are 
difficult to remember, aren't they? This is the yeah. This is the one like struggling. Right, Jimmy McNulty's mob and the, the other lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The good guys and the bad yeah. guys. The reds and the blues. Yeah, it's the truth. One is wearing red, one's wearing blue. Shirts and skins. <laughs> Uh, and then yeah so he's got to he's got to some of the the action at the end leading up to the wedding is great mega big budget over the top it's good sweeping action which i really enjoyed and again hasn't dated i don't think i think i don't like the no i don't think so when he jumps on the little like flying motorbike thing all that looks good the vehicles look great the design's really good of them all yeah it's a really good looking movie it is it is Uh, yeah yeah, absolutely 250 million dollars worth (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> would do that for you, yeah. Um, I, the, I, he, there's the odd callback, isn't there, which I found quite cloying of a, a wedding ring on repeat, isn't there? He's got a wedding. He's got two rings. Oh, on he his hides finger, it as he? well. <laughs> when she looks down and he hides it, like, ooh, busted. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, oh, you know, like now, oh, come on, mate. Like it means the same thing on Mars as it does on Earth. <laughs> like. Yeah, <laughs> does as happens, James. And, uh, yeah. It does. It's universal. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> <laughs> the wedding, there's a big smackdown at the wedding and, you know, there's no spoiler. You're all going to guess that the John Carter saves the day and she doesn't have to marry that, you know, the legend that is Dominic West. Jimmy McNulty. Because Mark Strong, who's been like the puppet master throughout controlling Jimmy McNulty, decides to just off him for whatever reason. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just really easily. just Struggling to keep on top of this. Because like, by this point, I'm like, who's on whose side? I don't know who's supporting who here. And then, um, yeah, she he, they decide to get, he gets married immediately to the princess, doesn't he? Well, they've got all the stuff there, so they may as well. Like, they've booked the vicar. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Vicar, you know, like, let's not, <laughs> don't want to waste all this. <laughs> He's known her for all of three hours, like. <laughs> yeah. This is it. He's known her for three hours, right? Have you ever been at a wedding where just beforehand, the groom takes off his, says, yeah, I think I'm ready, and takes off his, his old wedding ring for a previous marriage and, and casts it aside, which is symbolic of his relationship with his, his wife and kid that have been murdered back on Earth. And <laughs> so, and he's throw, ready to throw down on a marriage proposal immediately it's yeah, all a yeah. bit quick for me he's not he's not even had a meal on mars and he and he said like yeah i'll stay here this is great what if he hates the cuisine what if he hates what if, has he even had a bowel movement on mars what if they've got a really weird way of going the loop no he's just he's just seen the princess and he's like no no i'm in here this is great i love this what if he's like so now i'm married can what have we got as a snack for, you know, well, it's um, a load of Bant's bowel movements for the snack. Like, oh, is this, no, you're joking, aren't you? No, this is, this is traditional Martian cuisine. Snark penis for pudding. <laughs> what if he hates all that stuff? And he'll be like looking in the mirror like, oh, I was a bit rash, I think. I was a little bit rash here. I mean, she's got banging abs just like me, but flipping heck, there's more to life than abs. <laughs> and being yeah. able to jump. Do you get protein shakes on Mars? <laughs> Will there be organically sourced lean beef on Mars? Ah, oh, dear. Anyway, so I, I had some serious questions <laughs> about his motivations at the end. But he just processed all his grief by slaughtering all those bastards in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it, you know, murder can be cathartic and good for the soul. Yeah, he's yeah. over it. He's over it. He's fine. He's fine now, yeah. He can take his wedding rings off, marry the princess. I mean, if, if he'd gone back to the Civil War and fought for his racist principles, then he probably would have processed that whole <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> In the film's world, in the film's logic, that's exactly correct. (laughs) Uh, I'm looking at all the stuff that we've got to cover here. I'm saying um, 
story convol- you know the story's a, it's a timeless classic but in the context of this let's stick it into a 2 hour movie the mythology for me was just too confusing they should have streamlined it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it it was up and down and then up again yeah the final bit where he goes back to New York. Oh yeah, yeah. And and it's revealed that he's led Mark Strong's people on a goose chase so he can get back to Mars because Mark Strong basically sends him back to Earth. By this point he's married the princess and he's like, I don't need this transporting medallion thing anymore. Chucks it away. And then Mark Strong being like the shapeshifter he is sends him back to Earth. Oh, yeah, we should say that Mark Strong is a shapeshifting bastard, by the he way. He is a shapeshifting <laughs> bastard, yeah. Um, <laughs> and honestly, and that this is all like the last five minutes. It's proper squeezed yeah, it in Yeah, it happens in like 10 minutes, the whole thing. <laughs> for me, that's what made it a memorable film for me, and that's why I actually thought it was a, it was a good movie in the end, because I thought that little payoff at yeah. the end was so worth it. Yeah. Because you're reading this as a diary from um, John Carter as if he has died. Yes, So Edgar Rice Burroughs is reading this diary and that's what the story is, is he's reading this uh, diary as if John Carter's dead and he's buried in this tomb. And uh, it's a, it's, it all turns out to be a puzzle for Edgar Rice Burroughs to sort out. But then it's also a, a goose chase for... Mark Strong's Pete, I forget what they're called. They're like overseers, <laughs> yeah. aren't they? Oh, so he knock can, off Jedi's, so yeah. he can get <laughs> yeah. get back to Mars. And I just think that is so nicely done in like five ten minutes, and it's really well weaved yeah. that little bit. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got no problem with that good. at all. That's yeah. one whole star for it right there on that ending. I think. I think the bookends of the movie are actually the best bits. To be honest, it could. Yeah, I, I really like it. My only problem with the end though is. He shoots someone, doesn't he, outside the tomb and leaves and then goes off back to Mars and he leaves Ned and I'm thinking like, he's just left Ned with a body. Yeah, but it's one of those alien things. It's fine. So what are they going to do with it? Like, oh, you've just, well, there's some explaining to do here, Ned. It can just, he can bury it. It's fine. No one will know. (laughs) He can put it under the patio like Brookside. It's fine. Plus, Rob, you've got to look at it from John Carter's perspective. He's been stuck back on Earth for 13 years. He's he's not got his racist rocks off him in quite some time. He needs to get back to Mars pronto. <laughs> to murder a load of people, to, to process his inner thoughts. Yeah, fair dues, fair yeah. dues. It's a step in the right direction then, murdering that guy. <laughs> the one thing from that bit where he goes back in time, sorry, when he goes back to Earth, is... He wakes up in the cave where he got transported and you're initially going, oh, was it all a dream? And then he turns to Brian Cranston, who's now a skeleton. And you're like, yeah. how long's he been in there? Has he been in there it like 100 years? All, like... And then he comes out and it's been about two years. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, yeah. But Brian Cranston is somehow a skeleton. <laughs> but the film makes it like... Like he's been on Mars for a, like a long weekend at most. Yeah, like, yeah. But he's fully bought into the whole Mars thing. Like he's like their leader now. Like <laughs> he's like a godlike figure. It's, it's a hell like, of yeah. a mini break, to be fair. It is. It's like he went to Skegness and converted everyone <laughs> at Butlins. Just had a mad old time. Got absolutely out of his face and and made friends with loads of people and left Butlins a king. <laughs> and then he had to go back to the racist south of. <laughs> Civil War America. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I've got to ask, what's your, what's your best bit, boys? What are your favourite bits? Uh, I think my favourite bit, it wasn't necessarily a moment. I mean, I love the the sort of battle in the middle where it, it's all in silence and it goes back to when he lost his wife and kid. 
uh, that mm. was great in terms of like a scene. But I think overall, my favourite bit was how it was. It was quite campy in places, like Flash yeah. Gordon was. Yeah. And I just love how it's taking that old seventies, eighties style movie, uh, like Flash Gordon, and it was also quite similar in tone to uh, the wildly successful Mummy film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of, it kind of felt like that as well. But it didn't, it didn't have its tongue far enough into its cheek. For yeah, me. possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think the the overall tone of it for me, I love Flash Gordon. It's brilliant. All this was yeah. missing was Brian Blessed. <laughs> Gordon's alive! <laughs> and a ripping Queen soundtrack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what about you, James? Yeah, uh, my uh, favourite bit. So uh, we sort of touched on it. So obviously Mark Strong is a shape-shifting evil bastard, right? So I actually enjoyed that twist where he's um, he's got married after knowing his missus for four hours. <laughs> Um, and they've had a lovely old time in the evening. Uh, and he goes out on the balcony to look at his new home of Barsoom. You know? And uh, this guard just comes up to him and goes, oh, like, I want to shake your hand or whatever, you know. And it turns out to be a shape-shifting bastard. And honestly, that took me completely by surprise, <laughs> even though I knew uh, yeah. Mark Strong wasn't dead. I was like, oh, God. And then he's zapped back to Earth, and it's like, no! <laughs> I still got my Mars erection, and now my whole body's rigor mortis. <laughs> oh, Devastated. Oh. He was just getting a second wind, and now he's back in a cave with Skeletor. <laughs> I think I love that bit as well. Uh, my favourite uh, bit, I think, I, I liked a lot of it, actually, but um, certainly the, the tongue-in-cheeky stuff, not the overly serious stuff. Um, but the te- uh, Kitsch's delivery of the, the line, beans, the first item is beans. <laughs> Do you guys not remember when that was? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to rewatch it just to find that bit. Failing that, I liked it when he woke up in the prison and all them little fat babies that weren't dead yet were all over him. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> That's nice. It's nice. Uh, so, what do you think? Um, worthy of reconsideration? I think it's fine. I think it's a solid family adventure, if a bit violent for the whole family. Uh, it's a bit long and some parts really drag, but generally speaking, it's good. Uh, there's some great effects work and uh, it's fun swashbuckling action. It's not a one-star movie or the disaster that some would have you believe from the critical legacy. I think it, if it's on TV or streaming, then it's definitely worth a watch and you could do a lot worse. Uh, I've seen one-star movies, click, <laughs> and uh, this isn't one. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave the final word to, to you, Si, on that one. Uh, but uh, for me... Um, I thought um, critical legacy is a lovely expression, James. Critical legacy is way too harsh here. Oh, yeah. Um, There's loads to enjoy, lots of fun. Um, I would say, yeah, do definitely reconsider this and just enjoy a great big... Don't take it too seriously. Just enjoy a great big budget, uh, tentpole, good guys, bad guys release and have a load of fun. Have fun with it. Because the film, you know, in its best moments, does have a lot of fun. The effects are amazing. The action sequences I really enjoyed. I love the scope. Uh, The movie looks fantastic, sounds fantastic. Um, So, yeah, I'd definitely say go for it. The mythology is a bit sketchy and a bit heavy, but don't... Don't get bogged down in any of that. Just keep your head above water and enjoy it for what it is. Um, And yeah, again, I could do with 10 minutes less, 15 minutes less, particularly around the middle. 
But then again, as a middle-aged man, don't we all? So, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm dead easy going about it. Um, yeah, for your reconsideration, I will say, yeah, do reconsider this one. I would obviously say reconsider this. It, it was my choice after all. But um, I think the opening half hour is fantastic. I think the, the last half hour is great as well. Uh, it does sag a bit in the middle, which is a shame. But I am torn in a way because, you know, I would usually enjoy, like, disproving or battling consensus, you know, when it comes to critics saying something's rubbish and giving it the boot. But so many people found it boring. And, you know, you can't argue if people found it boring, people people found it boring. So, uh, you know, and, and that middle section is quite saggy for people to think that. But I, I honestly think there's something I really like about John Carter. Maybe I have some sort of blind loyalties because I know a friend who worked on it or I was too busy swooning over Taylor Kitsch's gorgeous abs. Um <laughs> So I've got to review what sort of sums up the general feeling about this film. And I, and I do kind of agree with it, to be honest. So this is from uh, Alonso Duralde from The Wrap. Uh, this was made at the time of release. Stanton's work here is competent on an epic scale. Everything from the performances to the look of the film is perfectly fine, but there's a crushing dullness to it. And I can't argue with that, to be honest, because I do think that middle ground is a bit dull. Yeah. On the whole, though, I think there's more to love than not to love about it. And I think there's plenty here to reconsider it, definitely. Nice, yeah. Um, I'd agree with you. So, yeah. Yeah. That's why yeah, I chose absolutely. it. So, that's me. So, uh, Si, you know, because I think when we were talking about the genesis for this pod, I think this was one of the films that you sort of wanted to highlight, wasn't it? And one of the inspirations, if it were. It was, so, yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Has it not held up as well as you remembered it then? I think it's held up in all the ways I didn't expect it to hold up, to be honest. I think visually it's still amazing. I, yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. I'm amazed that people sort of mock it for how it looks, to be honest. I think it looks great. I think it looks really good. Yeah, and it's one of the things you just can't mock it on. Yeah. From a technical standpoint, it's really, really solid. It is. It's, it's really, really solid. And, you know, as you would expect from a budget that big, but, you know, it's on the, the good side of the middle third star rather than the other side of that third star. Yes, yeah. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but I definitely would say, in terms of this pod especially, it's way better than what it's been given. Yeah, that's totally agreed. Yeah, way, And that's what better. that's what this pod's about, isn't it? Trying to get movies that have been unfairly slammed uh, uh, another chance. Yeah. Yeah. That about wraps it up. Thank you for listening. Please hit us up with feedback on Twitter at FYRFilmPod or email at reconsiderpod at gmail.com. And whatever you're listening on, if you've enjoyed it, please help us out with a like, subscribe, five-star rating, whatever it is that will help us grow and reach new listeners. Until next time, say goodbye, boys. Bye-bye. See ya. Take it easy.